Journey to Organization, Episode 91, Holding On. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman, advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begone Personal Organization. And today, I want to talk about holding on. I first want to apologize for the delayed uh, nature of this podcast this week. Uh, It's been a crazy week, but I'm getting to you and I always feel like better late than never. Those of you that know me know that my mantra is, uh, you know, perfect is the enemy of done. (laughs) So uh, I feel like it's better to make, you know, get it done and not have it be perfect than, you know, put it off altogether, right? Um, That's the... For those of you that that happens to, that's the perfectionist in you saying, you know, if you can't do it perfectly, then you shouldn't do it at all, right? But I don't, I don't think that's the best way to deal with things. I didn't do it perfectly this week, but I'm getting it done. And like I said, better late than never. So um, I hope that you take that with you <laughs> throughout the week. But today I want to talk about really two things that happened to me while I was seeing clients this week. One, um, I wasn't actually seeing that particular client this week. We just sort of had a conversation over WhatsApp. um, And we... It, it's related to what happened with the first client. So my first client this week, she made Aliyah like about 10 years ago. And she was holding on to all these things because she was worried, you know, I won't be able to get this in Israel. And a lot of people who move to Israel who make Aliyah, um, Olim, uh, new immigrants, they have this worry, like, I have to bring everything I know with me or else my move to Israel won't be successful. And I find that this not only happens when people are moving from North America to Israel, but also when people leave Israel. I talked to a person who was making Ali, well, making Irida, as we say, going down uh, out of Israel um, from Tel Aviv to Australia. And she was talking to me and she's worried about, you know, what she was bringing back to Australia, even though she knew what it was like to live there. And she was just worried, well, I have what I need. I want to take all this stuff. And I think that what happens with stuff is it makes us feel comfortable. Like when we have all the stuff that we're familiar with, we feel super, super comfortable with all that stuff. And so getting rid of it pushes us outside of our comfort zone. But if it's not really serving us anymore, what is the point of keeping it? But I think for people who are moving to a new country, whether they've lived there before or not, have this like scarcity mindset where they don't know, they don't really understand. It's not like tangible to them what they're actually capable of getting when they're in that new place. And so they bring everything with them just in case, you know, as if they were Girl Scouts. They bring it all because even though they haven't used it in the country that they're presently living in, in, you know, months or years, they bring it with because maybe it will be useful in their new place. And this scarcity mindset, always worried about not having what I'm going to need, is troubling, I think, because, well, 
for a few reasons. But the first is, is that you all know that I'm a devotee of Chai Hinda Allen and that what I learned from her is that you, God will always give you what you need. You will always have what you need. And when you can switch to that mindset, you're able to let go of the things that aren't serving you right now because you know that what you have that isn't working for you is just taking up space and inhibiting the good things that are supposed to come to you in the future. And future could be one minute from now, but when you are able to sort of let things go, you are able to allow new things to come into your life. And I think for a lot of Olim, you know, immigrants, new immigrants to Israel, but a lot of people who are moving internationally, whichever direction they're moving in, or even people who are just moving to a new city, this, I don't know how I'm going to get these sort of things, um, is scary. You know, uh, I always see on message boards for Olim, what should I bring to Israel? What should I bring from America on my lift that I can't get in Israel? And the answer is Ziploc bags or baking soda or, you know, soap that you like or medication or whatever it is that people are telling other people to bring. It comes from this scarcity, you know, worry where you can't always get what you need. But I got to tell you, Amazon... delivers everywhere. Now, sometimes delivery is a little bit difficult to coordinate, but basically we live in a in a universal world, in a global marketplace. You can almost always get what you want. It might be expensive. It might cost money. But if you want something, if you need something, you can get it again. And this this feeling of worry, this scarcity, like I, I, I'm not going to have what I need. It's coming from a place of fear. And we have to move past the fear when we're decluttering in general, but also if we're moving so that we can get what we need out of the new space we're going to live in. And what happens is, is especially for people who move from North America in particular, not necessarily from Europe, but from North America in particular to Israel, is that they're moving from large houses to smaller ones. And they're fitting what fit into a 3,000 square foot house into, you know, a thousand square feet. And that's, that's a big, big difference. And you can't, you can't, it physically, <laughs> it's a, maybe impossible. I mean, you could get it in there, but it wouldn't be comfortable. And and I have to say that even after just two sessions with this client, and she got rid of a lot of stuff, like a lot of stuff. And she had said to me, you know, I cleared out two bags of stuff before you came. And over the course of two days, we must have gotten rid of 20 bags of stuff. I mean, she really went through her house and cleaned it out. She got rid of a lot, a lot of stuff. And and she was just like, you, see, you know, and she kept repeating this to me over and over again. I didn't know what I was going to be able to get here. I didn't know what I could order online. I didn't know that I could do those things. I I just, everybody had sort of scared me into thinking I wouldn't be able to get these things that I needed or wanted. But now that I actually have less, I can get dressed faster and I can get dressed more easily and finding things as easily. And when I'm cleaning up, everything has a home and everything has a place and it's so much nicer and it's easier. And that's really the goal that we should be aiming for is living our best life. And it's just not possible to live your best life when you have more stuff than you really need, because you're always worried about 
the stuff and the excess and having more. And if you really believe that God or if you believe in karma or the universe or whoever is always going to, you know, give you what you need, it's going to be easier for you to move forward with decluttering. And that's, I think, the main message I want to get out to you today is that when you're thinking about, can I let this go? Can I not let this go? Think about how useful it really is to you and how you're really using this item. Now, I'm going to admit that we definitely, we brought a lift when we moved from New York to Israel and we definitely filled it with stuff that we did not need. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. It's true. We, we brought some things that we didn't need because we also came from the scarcity mindset. Like, how will we know where to find these things? And I always advise people when they are making Aliyah to bring in their lift a little bit of stuff that makes them feel comfortable, that reminds them of home. So that one of the first things that they don't need to that they need to do is not go to the grocery store and figure out which soap is good. Um, you know, put a little bit of that in your suitcase, put a little bit of that in your lift, give yourself a little bit of time to adjust because, you know, figuring out, you know, where the soap is, <laughs> dish soap or hand soap or whatever is, can be hard at first, especially in another language or, you know, your body needs time to adjust. Maybe you'll have an allergic reaction, slowly easing into something. That's okay. But bringing enough soap for 20 years like <laughs> first of all you have to store it for that long but second of all even things that are not perishable can sometimes go bad or be damaged like you don't want to be wasteful either I can't tell you how many times I'm with a client who buys things in bulk like that and has to throw things away because they get damaged and or food like spoils or I don't know, things get moldy. It's just buying in that, buying a little bit to move you past the comfort stage is good, but buying too much where it can border on hoarding, that's, it's too much. So you're going to have to find that balance for yourself, especially when you're moving, but it's so important to really understand the idea of scarcity and fear and understand take a look step back why why are we doing this why are we buying this why are we bringing this why are we holding on to this and that sort of leads me to my next observation over the week is that I have a different client and she is has grown up children and they don't live at home anymore and they are using their old bedrooms as storage facilities and it's really hard for for my client because she wants to be able to use the rooms in a different way than they're being used now and the kids are like well all of our friends parents allow you know their their kids to store their stuff and, and that may be true, but I feel like, okay, comparing yourself to the other kids is not a good habit to get into. But also, I said to her, I said, you know, your daughter can still store stuff there if that makes you feel okay. If that's something you want to do, if, if you're willing to make part of your house be a storage unit, beset her, that's okay, if that's what you want. But 
she can't just keep things for the sake of keeping things. She has to be able to, you know, have a reason because I looked through some of the stuff that was there in the house and it was like old shoes that she clearly wasn't going to wear anymore and, you know, old clothing that she probably wasn't going to wear anymore. It was sentimental stuff. And I said to her, I said, at least if it's sentimental, then let her pack it up in a bin and put it on the top shelf so at least you can access the other shelves so that, you know, you can use the room as you want to use it. You can't reach the top. Most people can't reach the top shelf, but she couldn't reach the top shelf. So I said, have her box it up, put it, get on a ladder and move it to the top. At least then you'll have the bottom areas free. And I feel like it's not a punishment to our kids to tell them, you know, box it up and put it in a space that I can't get to it. So at least I can have access to the rest of the space. And I don't know what's going to happen with that particular scenario, because we haven't really gotten that far yet. But um, I think that when you're facing kids who are, you know, coming at things from a sentimental thing, standpoint, they're looking at it like not necessarily that they'll need it, but that these things make them happy. They bring them a certain level of happiness, knowing that they're there, knowing that they are, you know, available to them. And I think that that also falls into the scarcity thing, where you have stuff that you put away because it's sentimental and you're worried that these memories are going to go away because you no longer have this stuff anymore. And I think that that's a totally valid feeling. It's a very valid feeling. And I want to, you know, give a full disclosure here. I live in Israel, but there are stuff, definitely a few things that I still have at my parents' house. And most of the stuff I keep at my parents' house is stuff that I use when I'm there. So I keep like an extra pair of sneakers there. I keep um, a few extra shirts there, some extra skirt, like one extra skirt, um, some I think I have some socks, maybe a hair covering. I don't have a lot of stuff there, but I do keep some things there because it makes me, it affords me the ability to travel lighter, but nothing is sentimental. Everything gets used when I'm there and I take care to go through it every time I'm there so that I can assess, do I want to keep these here? I usually keep an old pair of sneakers there so that I don't have to bring one with me. But if I if I wore one on the plane, because sometimes I do, and I like to, I actually have two pairs of sneakers that I switch um, out every, every day like that I wear them because I like them to air out and breathe. So maybe I'll bring a pair that's not quite dead yet, but that's close to being dead, and I'll replace it with the pair that was already there that really isn't very good anymore. And I, But I'm constantly sorting through and going through it, and I'm not using it as a storage space for sentimental items. The only thing that I keep at my parents' house that's sentimental is uh, an extra copy of our wedding pictures. That's it. <laughs> um, I, I really I, I'm very careful to go through the drawers and make sure I don't leave anything that is like that, that I can't use from time to time. And I feel like I feel like, well, you know, maybe that's not the best use of space in my parents house. My parents really like for me to take up one drawer that's out of the way isn't such a big deal. And that's the same thing in this situation. If the daughter was just going to take up like 
one or two shelves on the top, no big deal. But the stuff is spread out all over the house. And that's just not fair to people who are trying to move on who actually live there. So using a storage space, using a home that you don't live in as a storage space, and other people live in that space, it's just, it's not fair. So I think it's okay to set boundaries with our kids and say to them, you know, this is If you want to do this, this is how you have to do it. Whatever feels comfortable to you. But what's under what's important to understand from both of these scenarios is that both of them come from a place of fear. (laughs) They're both coming from I'm going to lose these memories. I'm not going to have what I need. I it's fear and worry. And when we're decluttering, if we let the fear and worry overtake us, it's going to all be too much for us. And we have to just let things go. It's very, I have to say, in most of my situations with my clients, very, most people don't ever miss what they get rid of. It's true. Once in a while, I have someone say to me, oh, such and such thing would have come in handy. And I have to remind them, I'm like, you know, it was broken. And that's why we got rid of it. <laughs> and so even though you had it, it does it wouldn't have helped you because it was broken anyways. Or maybe it wasn't broken and it would have really come in handy. And there are times when things like that would have really come in handy. I don't know, a dress or a pair of shoes or a purse or whatever. But you know what I say to those people? You may do without it. You had enough other stuff in your life that you were able to make do without it. Congratulations, you did a good job. You don't need everything you think you need. You can make do without things. You have plenty of other stuff that can substitute for it. And I think that that really, as we're going forward, that's the most important thing we can do for ourselves is evaluate those feelings. Take a look at them. Hold them in your hand. Unpack them. Look at them and say, what is this really that I'm feeling? Is it fear? Is it worry? Is it, you know, memory? What am I feeling from this object that's holding me back? And and it's okay to put those objects to the side and think about them, but give yourself a hard date. Mark it on your calendar. Make a deadline for yourself. Move forward and allow yourself to really push to that place where you really have less because I can pretty much promise you that you're going to be a lot happier when you have less. I really don't have any clients who ever come back to me and say, I'm not happy. (laughs) Everybody's happy after they declutter. Maybe they're not happy in six months down the line because they haven't totally mastered the ideas of not bringing new things in. But after two months, three months, five months down the line, most people are happy that they're in this situation where their life is better. I don't know anybody who who declutters and says, my life is worse. It just not, it doesn't happen. And I, I implore you, I beg of you to please, please, please unpack the feelings that you have behind your stuff because our stuff does have feelings that comes with it. I mean, We have feelings about our things. We love them. We hate them. We can't live without this object. We desperately need it, (laughs) you know, and I and I 
I want you to remember that there's always something else behind it. So push yourself a little further when you're feeling stuck on an item of decluttering and say to yourself, you know, I can do without this because I'm really only scared that I'm not going to have what I need. And when you do that, it'll put you in a much better situation. I um, have been appreciating all the calls of support that I've been getting. (laughs) Thank you so much for calling and emailing me and telling me that you're listening. I appreciate it. I um, am almost totally ready for my Pesach challenge. The details will be out shortly, so make sure you stay tuned for that Um, and watch uh, RebeccaSaltzman.com for it and uh, and BalaganBegon.com for it and I'm working on a hotline for people so that they can call in in addition to having a daily email so for those of you who don't use email there will God willing be an option for you um, and I'm, I'm really excited now this challenge is going to be 45 days long it ends two and a half days before Pesach so when I say a half day I mean I'm counting like Erev Pesach And what it's going to do is it's going to be decluttering uh, the first part of the challenge, decluttering rooms that aren't necessarily where you have chametz, like your bedroom, but it's just to start you on the decluttering journey in your own spaces. And then as the challenge progresses, it will um, include getting ready for Pesach. Now, during parts of the, say, let's say the master bedroom week or the kids week, there will be things to start getting you ready for Pesach, like now's a good time to self-clean your oven so that you can make sure it's working so that, you know, right before Pesach, you when you do it and your, your stove won't break, now is a good time to like pick out any problems. So I'm going to go along the way and, and also in addition to weeks that are not necessarily directly related to cleaning chametz, um, but we'll make sure that we're hitting areas in the house early enough so that you're not panicked before Pesach. And it's just a roadmap guide to decluttering and really getting ready for Pesach and setting things up. And it's it's exciting. <laughs> um, I'm going to be doing it with you. So that's good. Um, well, at least the parts that are specific to Pesach. Um, but I do, just as an aside note, I definitely declutter my room. Uh, probably once every other week. Um, I go through my clothes. I see if everything's doing okay. And so, you know, I could do the challenge too. Um, but anyway, uh, it's exciting and I'm really happy at the way it's shaping up and I'm excited to offer it to all of you. And I hope that you'll all participate because it's not going to be a lot of money and it's really, really going to help you get organized before Pesach. So I'm looking forward to announcing all the details next week. Um, I have a few more very exciting interviews planned over the next few weeks and I'm looking forward to sharing those with you. If you have any questions as always feel free to reach out and let me know either via email at Rebecca at RebeccaSaltzman.com or you know leave me a voice message or however you want to contact me. I usually check everything. (laughs) If you don't hear from me after about you know 48 hours then try a different way but for the most part I usually answer fairly quickly. Um, I uh, love hearing from all of you so keep up the the calls and you know the questions. I wish everybody a great great happy week and happy organizing. 
Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.